Well, good morning. It is good to be here. It's good to see all my brothers and sisters in the Lord. We have missed you. We have not been uh, very faithful attenders in the last six or seven or eight months. Many of you know, going through and continue to go through a lot of health difficulties, but by God's strength, by his power and by his might, um, able to be here today, Lord willing, next week, and Lord willing, the week after. So if you don't like this sermon, take two weeks off. If you like it, see you next week. I tell you, though, I am so sick and tired of hospitals and doctors and tests. I kind of wish they had a punch card. You know, when you go in, you get a test done or blood work or something, because I'd like have enough to get like a free coffee or something, I'm sure by now. But I've learned a lot about the medical field. You sit in the doctor's office long enough, you talk to enough doctors, go through enough tests. I, I think I might be as smart as a doctor now. Like, I don't want to brag. I, I recently learned something. Maybe you guys don't know this, but I recently learned that diarrhea actually is hereditary. It runs in your genes. I know, I know. That was a pretty crappy joke. Uh, I better stop now before things get messy. Pastor Mike, you asked me to do this. Sorry, buddy. Today we do start a three-part sermon series I'm calling The Love Feast. It's a, it's a study on, on love. The Love Feast, or Agape Feast, as it was known, was a, a meal held in biblical times for Christian fellowship. It mirrored the meals that Jesus shared with his disciples. It was an expression of, of koinonia, of community and sharing that was enjoyed by the entire church family. It was also an expression of who God was, uh, who God is, a, a God who desires fellowship and community with his creation. It was and is an expression of God's love, his agape for his creation. In the Greek language, there are numerous, numerous different words for love, and we will be sharing a different word for love over the next three weeks during our pastoral prayer. Pastor Elijah just shared the Greek word for love, storge. Thank you for doing that. But for our sermon series, The Love Feast, we're going to be focusing on just one of the Greek words for love, and that's agape. Agape. Agape is the kind of love that is for all people. It is selfless and acts only in the best interest of others. Agape is not earned, nor is it merited. It is given freely and willingly. It is the kind of love that God has for us. Let me pray. Father God, as we come to hear your word spoken, as we study the written word, we thank you for what you have for us today. Thank you for what we were able to sing in response to your love. Thank you for the challenges that we are receiving today through the power of the Holy Spirit. And thank you for the opportunities you give us to serve you in different ways in love. But as we come together now to, to hear you speak through the Spirit to each one of us, you have something for us today. 
And so I ask you, Lord, to, um, to clear the way so that we can hear what you have for us as clearly as possible. Thank you, God, for what you're about to do. In your name we do pray. Amen. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is undoubtedly one of the most famous verses in the Bible. I would imagine that everyone in North America, maybe, I don't know, maybe even the entire world, has seen, heard, or read this verse. It was this verse that led me to give my life over to Jesus, to invite him to be my personal Lord and Savior. And based upon this verse, I asked Jesus to save me, to rescue me from a life of sin, to rescue me from a life that was going nowhere. It had no purpose. It had no meaning. It had no hope. I felt unloved by my family and by my friends. When I learned about God and how much he loves me, I knew I needed him in my life. I just, I just knew it. So I made a decision based upon this verse to follow Jesus. And I have been learning, experiencing, and sharing God's love along the way. So this morning, I want to talk to you about God the lover. And I want to talk to you about the recipients of his love. That's you and me. And discuss why he loves us. You know, before you ever came on the scene, before this world, before this universe ever existed, God was holy. Infinitely valuable, incomparable, and absolutely unique. And he loved it. And he loved it. And he treasured it. Because he's wise. And he's righteous. And a righteous person always values what is valuable. So before you ever came on the scene, God valued God above all else. He saw the perfections of himself shining out of his own infinitely glorious divine son, Jesus. And he loved his son. And the son loved the father. And both loved the Holy Spirit, who in turn loved the Son and the Father. It was a powerful, personal love that radiated between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, God was love. God is. God is love. Then you and I showed up. We entered the scene. And now God values you the same way he values his Son. The same way he values the spirit, he loves you. Because a righteous person always values what is valuable. So why does God love us? Because we are valuable to him. We are valuable to him. John 3.16, for God so loved. God's a lover. God loves with agape love, 
with that unconditional, unwarranted love I just spoke about a few minutes ago. It's a love that is unmerited. Yet he favors us by lavishing it upon us. Why? Because we are valuable to him. God created us. He, he didn't have to. He, he wasn't lonely. He wasn't incomplete. Agape love drove him to create. God first created the angels. Then God created the heavens and the earth. Then he created everything to fill the heavens and the earth. He put the stars and the moons, the plants, the birds, the sea creatures, the land animals. And in Genesis 1.25, we read that God saw that it was good. It was good. He loved what he had created, all of it. But he wasn't finished. He created you and me. God created humanity out of love. Not out of a need. He chose. He made a choice to create us. Revelation 4.11, in the old King James Version, it says this, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are created and were created. For thy pleasure they are created and were created. In a different translation of that same verse, the New Life Version, it says this, our Lord and our God, it is right for you to have the shining greatness and the honor and the power. You made all things. They were made and have life because you wanted it that way. You see, we learn of God creating humanity at the beginning of Scripture in the book of Genesis. But we learn about his reasons at the end of Scripture in the book of Revelation. So, so God created us for his pleasure. He created us because he wanted to. No other reason. He just wanted to. It brought him pleasure. It was love. It was agape love that compelled him to create. Because love demands action. Love's not a passive verb, meaning it doesn't do anything. Love is an active verb. The essence of love is it does something. Love demands action. And so in love, God created. And when he created humanity, we're told in Genesis 131, that God saw it, and he declared it, it was very good. God sees value in us. He calls us very good. The rest of creation was, it was good, but we are very good. God not only loves you and I, but back to John 3.16, for God so loved the world. So yes, he loves you and me, but God loves everything he created. He loves the ground, he loves the air, the creatures, the plants, and everything that exists in the cosmos. He loves it because he created it, and he is proud, in a non-sinful way, of what he created. But remember, it was you and I that were called very good. We are more than just good. We're different. We're different. 
Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. We are very good because we are created in the very image of God. No one else, nothing else was created in the image of God, just us. That's what makes us very good. It's why he finds us to be of great value. It's why we bring him pleasure. You know, there's a, there's a saying, uh, like, you've probably seen the bumper sticker or the poster, it says, God doesn't make junk. And it's, it's very true. You see, Psalm 139.13 tells us that when he knitted us together in our mother's womb, God knew what he was doing. So let me encourage you this morning. No matter what, no matter what your finances are, no matter what your relationships are, no matter what your work situations are or what your health status is, you are loved by God, and you are valuable to him. Maybe someone here today or online listening is struggling with mental health, with self-worth, with guilt over past or, or present actions that you regret doing or have done. You're still living in the shadow of your mistakes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God loves you. God agapes you. You are valuable to him. God don't make no junk. You are not junk. So lift up your head. Stop looking down onto the ground at your feet. Step out of the darkness and set aside those feelings of inadequacy, worthlessness, and sorrow. You are a child of the king. You are royalty. You have a perfect heavenly father. A father who loves you with never-ending love. A perfect love. Do you deserve it? Did you earn it? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because God gives his love to you freely and willingly. Because you bring him pleasure. Because he values you. Because he created you in his image. And God don't make no junk. God loves the world and all that is in it. God loves everyone. Let that sink in for a moment. He loves everyone? Even the sinners? Well, I sure hope so. Because if I can quote the Apostle Paul, I myself am the worst sinner. Romans 3.23 tells us that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, we may have been created in love, by love, and for love. But because of the act of one selfish man, Sin entered the world and marred what God once called very good, us. Upon our very conception, we are sinners. We are corrupted. 
We are damaged. Yet God still chooses to agape us, to love us. Not only does God love, but he truly loves everyone. This fact will be crucial to our getting anything out of this sermon series. If we miss this point, we miss the larger point, that we are to love what God loves. We are to love what God loves, and what God loves is everyone and everything. God loves your neighbor who refuses to shovel his sidewalk in the winter. God loves the coworker who gossips maliciously about you. God loves the lady who refuses to pick up her doggie's doo-doo off of your lawn. God loves the guy who cut you off in traffic. God loves the evil dictator in whatever country you can think of, Canada. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, that was, that was an internal thought, sorry. God loves Trudeau. God loves the spouse who cheated on you. God loves the friend who lied to you. God loves the, the family member who stole from you. God loves the pastor who disappointed you in the moment of your biggest need. I've shared with a lot of you before many times about my brother-in-law who killed his wife and is in jail for murder. God loves him. God loves him. God loves the world. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing that you can think. There is nothing that you can do that will separate you from the love of God. Romans 8, 38 and 39. If you do not have these verses underlined in your Bible, do it. Right? Like, I'll take three minutes. Go ahead, do it right now. I am convinced, Paul writes, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Peter, I gotta, just turn me off. Just mute me for a sec. No power in the sky above or in the earth below Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever, let me say it again, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That deserves an amen. Thank you. Does God love everyone? Yes. He shows mercy and kindness to all, whether we like it or not. That's what he does. God does not love us because we are lovable or because we deserve it. If anything, the opposite is true. The state of humanity since Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden, humanity is in a state of rebellion and disobedience. Listen to how God describes humanity in Jeremiah 17.9. He says, the heart, our hearts, the very people he created... Our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Who could know it? Our innermost beings are so corrupted by sin that even we don't realize the extent to which sin has tainted us. You see, in our natural state, we do not seek God. We do not love God. We do not desire God. 
Which is why in Romans 3.10, Paul reminds us that there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. How then is it possible for a holy, righteous God, perfect God, to love such creatures? Well, to understand, we must understand first something of the nature and the character of God. He values what is valuable. He created us, and therefore, we are valuable to him. We bring him pleasure. John 1, 4-8 tells us that God is love. Never was a more important declaration made than this. God is love. This is a profound statement. God doesn't just love. He is love. His nature, his essence, every part of his being is love. Love permeates his very being and infuses all his other attributes. Even his wrath and anger is done in love. Because God's very nature is love, he must demonstrate love, just as he must demonstrate all his attributes, because doing so glorifies him. Because remember, love demands action. And so in Romans 5, 8, Paul reminds us that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Love demands action. Since it's God's essential nature to love, he demonstrates his own love by lavishing it on undeserving people who are in rebellion against him. God's love is not a sappy, sentimental, romantic feeling. Rather, it is agape love, the love of self-sacrifice. He demonstrates this sacrifice, this sacrificial love, by sending his son Jesus to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, by drawing us to himself, by forgiving us of our rebellion against him, and by sending his Holy Spirit to dwell within us, thereby enabling us to love as he loves and he did this in spite of the fact that we do not deserve it. So does God love everyone? Yes. Because he wants to give everyone an opportunity to repent of their sinful ways. 1 Timothy 2.4 God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That is love. 1 John one nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all our unrighteousness. That is love. This isn't just for the good guys. This isn't just for the faithful people. This agape love is for everyone because everyone is valuable to God. How do, how do we know for sure that God values us? Well, let's go back to John 3.16 for proof. For God so loved the world that he gave he gave, he gave his one and only son in love because love demands an action. God gave up what was the most precious to him, his son, 
on our behalf. He sent his one and only son to die a horrific, horrible death on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, to pay the debt to God that we owed God so that we might be saved and live eternally with God in heaven. Romans 5, 7. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Yet God sent Jesus, his son, to die for an unrighteous, rebellious, sinful people because he loves us, because we are valuable to him, and because we bring him pleasure. Over Christmas, Sherry and I had the, the privilege of um, being at Pearl Harbor and uh, walking through the, um, I guess it's a, it's a state park now, and uh, we got to see some, some, um, some footage of the actual attack, both from the Japanese perspective and the American perspective. We got to see an anchor that was blown off of a ship from the middle of the ocean to the shore, and it's still there today, a massive anchor. We saw a lot of what the carnage would have looked like. We got to read uh, a lot of stories of what happened that fateful day at the beginning of World War II for the, for the United States of America. But one story in particular really caught my eye, and, and I want to share it with you this morning. And maybe you've heard this before, and if you do, great, but if not, it's about the USS West Virginia. She was uh, one of many ships, I think there were 48 or 50 ships that were uh, parked in the harbor. There's probably more ships than that, but, um, and she was the one that was like other battleships that were, were bombed by the Japanese. It was hit by a series of bombs and a series of torpedoes. It, it held a crew of 1,300 sailors. Yet by the end of the attack, only 110 had died on that ship. And here's the reason their death rate was, was the lowest amongst any of the battleships. Here's the reason. A quick-thinking captain saw three men three sailors, and he, and, he, and he told them to go into an airlock. And, and once they got into the airlock, they were to shut that door tight so the water would stop coming in on that side of the ship, thus slowing the sinking of the ship to the bottom, giving more time for the other sailors to escape the ship. They knew going in it was a suicide mission. They would never be able to open that airlock door again. They stayed alive for 16 days. We, we know that because they left an X on the wall for each day that they were trapped and hoping to be rescued. But rescue could not come. Why? Because the fire was burning the very water above the sunken ship to an excess of 8,000 degrees Fahrenheit, yeah, 8,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Scientists say that's three times hotter than the molten lava that comes out of, a, out of a volcano. So they couldn't go down. They couldn't go down and get them. Listen to what one of the sailors said. He said, you'd hear a bang, 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 and then stop. Then... From deep below 
in the bow of the ship. It didn't take us long to realize that the men were still alive and making that noise. Pretty soon, nobody wanted to do guard duty, especially at night when it was quiet and all they could hear. Until it finally stopped on Christmas Eve. Radio third-classman Warren Verhoff said, this is something I will never, ever forget, that these three men gave their lives so we could live. John 15, 13. No one can have greater love than this to lay down one life for his friends. Don't you ever forget God is love. Don't you ever forget that. He sent his one and only son on a suicide mission so that you could be rescued. You are valuable to him. You bring him pleasure. Because of his love for us, we can have access to eternity with him. All you have to do is this, Romans 10, 9. This is all you got to do. If you declare it with your mouth, say it with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you say that with your mouth, and if you believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you want to accept his love today? Then declare it with your mouth. Declare it, Jesus is Lord. Believe it in your heart. And then ask for the forgiveness of your sins. For all the stuff that you've done that you know is wrong. Because love demands action. His love of you demands an action from each one of us. God made the first move. He's knocking. He's banging at the door of your heart. Now it's up to us. What is your response going to be? Are you going to give your life to Jesus? Or are you going to sit here and still stew in your unbelief? If you're a believer and, and, you, and, and you're beating yourself up because of all the, the stuff that you've done or are doing, and you think you have no value, you have no worth, stop it. God is love. You are valuable to him. Lift your head up. Don't look at your feet. Relish the fact that you have a heavenly father who sent his son to die for you so that you might live. Unlike the three sailors who unfortunately had to perish for 1,100 soldiers. Let me pray. Father God, as the worship team comes forward, I pray for anyone here who has yet to declare that you are Lord. That maybe today is the day for the first time that they will come to you and ask to be rescued, to be saved from you. They'll declare it with their mouth. They'll believe it in their heart. They'll ask for forgiveness. And they'll accept this unmerited agape love. For my brothers and sisters who are living in their own defeat, help them, Father God, through the power of the Spirit right now to know they're not defeated. That there's nothing Nothing that would ever separate them from your love. They just have to remember that. They have to stop forgetting that. And they have to claim it as their own.
Thank you, God, for speaking to us today. In your name we do pray. Amen. God's love is truly reckless. Not in a, in a sinful way. It's reckless because he's giving us something that he knows we have the ability to ignore and not accept. That's reckless. And it's with this type of love that he calls us to love other people and other things recklessly, knowing that our love may not be returned to us. That's why we call it reckless love. You know, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your picture would be on the inside. He sends you flowers every morning, sunrise, every day. Whenever you want to talk, he's right there and he'll listen. You know, he can live anywhere in the universe that he wants to, but he chooses to live in your heart. You know, face it, my friends. He's crazy about you. God loves you. He loves you. And God calls us to love what he and who he loves. And he loves everything and everyone. John 13, 34 says this, A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Next week, if you guys choose to come back, we will look at how we could do this very thing. Love one another. To start today, though, I would like each of you to consider doing something because love demands a response. It demands action. And so I want you to start considering about participating in our sermon series action point. And this is the action point. We want you folks to host an agape feast, a love feast in your home. We ask that you today start begin thinking and praying about who you might invite over to your homes for a love feast as a way of extending love, of creating community and having hospitality to those around you. It could be anyone. It could be believers. It could be the unsaved. It could be friends, neighbors, coworkers, whoever really you, you want to invite. There isn't one specific date that you have to do this by. It would be nice if we could do it all leading up to Easter, that would be great. And to help make this easier, to remove the stumbling blocks, Sherry and I, my wife, will give one full roast and one bag of potatoes if that will help you make it easier to invite people over to your home. If you don't need the roast or the potatoes, you don't have to take them, do your own thing, but it's there if you need it. So if you want to do this, if you want to participate, please go to the information booth, Sign up on the sheet, sheet, tell them that you're going to do it, tell them that you're going to do it, but you don't or you do need the roast beef and the potatoes. And actually, if you want to just hope to get invited, put your name down. And we'll make sure you get invited to one of these love feasts. Contact the church. Let them know. And we'll be doing this over the next three weeks. Would you stand for the benediction? And we'll close with this. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And don't you dare ever forget that God